promos in three, two, one. Darren, it's so exciting. The Inglorious Live Tour 2023 is continuing. And with the lead singer, me, and uh and and and, <laughs> For I, now. and good and I'll yeah, right, exactly. On guitar, it's Darren Dockerman. And on drums, it's Ashley Edward Miller. What a band. Sometimes I like to switch to drums occasionally and just yeah. you know push Ashley off to the side. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're we're thrilled because we are having such a great time uh, around these uh, wonderful United States, and it's only because we haven't been invited to Europe yet. It's our um, mostly live tour. It's our mostly live <laughs> tour, and it, it, it's been terrific. And and we're going to be uh, as you know, uh, obviously, um, we go every year. It's it's been uh, a long tradition. We'll be back at the San Diego Comic Con, July nineteenth through the twenty third, and of course. Uh, we're looking forward to bringing uh, the great Starship Smackdown back to San Diego. Um, and uh, but uh, then uh, the following week, July 27th to the 30th, we're going to be in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Did I say or, that right? Or Raleigh. Oh, OK. One day I'll get it right. Well, but well, uh, we're not we're going to rally to pronounce Raleigh correctly. We're we're not the only ones. Uh, Guardian of the Galaxy. Uh, Karen Gillan will be there. Uh, Charlie Cox from the, the Daredevil himself. Uh Paul Wesley, who uh, you know and love from Vampire Diaries. That's um, right. <laughs> Ian Summerholder also. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Amell, uh, he uh, he did not fail the city. He's going to be there. Uh, and Billy D. Williams. Will he have any Colt 45? That'll be exciting. Oh, but who we have here. <laughs> That's right. You surely belong with us here in North Carolina. In Raleigh. <laughs> Find out if the uh, gas mining business is really starting to pay off. Um Marina Sirtis will be there, feeling great joy and gratitude for her invitation. Uh, John Delancey, uh, coming off his uh, spectacular uh, um, uh, cameo appearance in uh, Picard. I think people are going to have a lot of questions for the great John Delancey. Yeah, Brent Spiner will be there. Uh, Gates McFadden, Denise Crosby, um, and uh, Will Friedel. It's going to be a hoot. It's going to be. It's going to be a hoot. But you know what? The, you know who I'm most excited about, and I'm sure we'll be doing the Q and A with him for the our first Q and A with him. Todd Stashwick. Nice. No. Yes. yes. No. No. I'm therefore going anyway. Uh, <laughs> we are. <laughs> that's going to be great. Uh, he, he's he's hit the convention circuit big time. And I think people are really excited to see him. So uh, I know we are. And he's selling yeah. T-shirts. Is he? I think so. Okay. Now, post. <laughs> if you missed us but in so San Diego and you missed us in North Carolina, Guess where we're going to be the next weekend? <laughs> next weekend is something uh, big. Yeah, it is. It's the fifty-seven mission, fifty-seven year mission convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, with our Las friends at Creation Entertainment. August third through the sixth. That's going to be a big one. Yeah, that's going to be big because I think uh, it's a lot of excitement about Star Trek after Picard season three. So uh, people are going to be there and they're going to be uh, they're going to be excited. Uh, hopefully uh, it would see all these. I can't even begin to list everyone that's going to be there. It's it's quite a bit of people. But I'm, I'm know, trying to arrange some uh, uh, karaoke time. Uh, what? Yeah. What are you, you talking were, about? You You know what I'm talking about. Karaoke time. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get involved with uh, some karaoke with uh, people we know. <laughs> oh, okay. I just got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, then uh, the uh, following month, uh, we're going to be in Austin, Texas, the great Austin, Texas. Don't mess with Texas. September first through the third. 
uh, once again, Ashley Miller will be joining us and, uh, the great Jonathan Frakes will be there along with many other members of the cast. Uh, uh our, our favorite person, the, another great galaxy con. Yeah. And, uh, Bill Shatner, of course, will be there. Gene Carlo Esposito, Brett Bassinger from super, uh, from Stargirl, Chris Sarandon from Fright Night. Nice. And, uh, I don't know how I'm going to not get away with not bringing my son because Matt Lanter, uh, who plays Anakin on the Clone Wars and James Arnold Taylor, who plays Obi-Wan are both going to be there. I think Isaac is going to be uh, demanding. I demand it that I bring him to Austin. We'll see what happens. I just want to keep walking by uh, the uh, Obi-Wan actors uh, booth and just say hello there. (laughs) Just keep doing it all weekend. (laughs) That sounds great. Well, if you want more information about any of these conventions or Columbus, Ohio, December 1st through the 3rd, go to galaxycon.com, galaxycon.com, uh, where you can find out more of these great GalaxyCon conventions. Uh, if you're interested in San Diego, comiccon.org, and of course, creationent.com for uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. We hope to see you at one or all of these shows in the coming months. And until then, on behalf of Darren, Ashley Miller, and myself, keep on trekking all the way to North Carolina, and gloriously, of course. Okay. Mark A. Altman. Darren Doctorman. Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. Captain James Kirk. I'm Commander Benjamin Sisko. I offer my services as science officer. McCoy here. Scott here, Doctor. This is Commander Riker. There's something you need to know. Relax. Good idea. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Welcome aboard. Fire! Adventure doesn't get any bigger than this. Over 300 adventures on video cassette are waiting to be discovered right in your living room. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docker. And this is Ashley Miller. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And this week we got a very special episode. We're going to be talking about the past, present, and future of Star Trek on home video with none other than the uh, editor, publisher of the Digital Bits, Bill Hunt. Bill Hunt is back, and uh, we're thrilled. He's always a great guest on the show and has a lot of insights about what we can be expecting in the future. 
Um, so we'll be bringing it, we'll be beaming him in in just a few minutes. <laughs> uh, but before we do, uh, we got a deluge of letters as a result of last week's show. A we deluge? only read a smattering of them uh, last week. And then I got a whole bunch more emails and uh, Did stuff. You say we from got people. a plethora? I would say we got a plethora. You could even say we got a myriad of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of and I'm, I'm just going to read really quickly because uh, some people had some quick questions. Uh, I'm not going to obviously go through all the emails we got, but uh, in this case, uh, uh, Brian Madsen asked us, he said at 5435, uh, and dude does not compute, uh, you're talking about which episodes and which series make you want to rewatch them. Darren. If you see them on, you stop and watch it again. Mark, yeah, it passes the Jaws test. So then he says, I don't understand what that is. So um, I want to explain real quickly for those of you who don't know the Jaws test, which is also in certain circles known as the Godfather test, right. or if you're channel surfing, uh, this is a phenomenon. This that is used something to occur that people don't do anymore, control. but go on. Yeah, on, on TV and looking for something to watch. And suddenly you come across Jaws, you have to watch it to the end. You stop. And just watch it till the end. Same thing with The Godfather. If you're channel surfing and all of a sudden you come across The Godfather, you can't turn it off, right? Because you, and you just watch it. So that that's the Jaws test. So if you're watching a Star Trek episode and you're you're going around and suddenly you come on the Doomsday Machine or something, you can't turn it off. You got to watch it till the end, right? So that's the, that's the Jaws test. Because so it hope... actually has happened that way. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, Josh, there's a bunch of other emails that I'm going to save for when we have more time. Um, there's some great questions also that we have for all of us. Uh, and I'm going to give everybody the chance to answer real quick. Um, and I'm looking for it. Where the hell is it? This is questions. Uh, um, oh, okay. Here it is. This is from Sean Barney. Uh, hey, Trexperts. Um, he, he said, long-time Trexperts uh, plus subscriber, first-time caller here. I had some quick questions I'd like to ask. First one is from Mark. How did you end up making all these books? I was introduced to you from the 50-year mission, seeing your other work with Ed Gross. How did you amass this treasure trove of interviews from Battlestar Galactica to Bond to Wick to Star Trek? Will your injury from the wheelchair impede your future book plans? Uh, <laughs> thank you for that question. And uh, I'm going to answer really quickly because he has questions for each of you as well. Um uh, basically, and I, I think I've told the story before, uh, uh, back in a couple of years ago, Ed Gross had come to me and, 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 and said, oh, you know, I want to do something for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. We should do a book. And, and I was not interested because I was very busy doing other things, my TV shows, doing other, other, other stuff. And I just, I just didn't think I had anything left to say about Star Trek. Sound familiar? But then I had read this oral history called, uh, Live from New York and another one about MTV called, uh, I Want My MTV. And I said, oh, wow, that's so interesting. I wonder if we could tell the history of Star Trek as an oral history, be like Rashomon. It'd be re that'd be really interesting. Of course, between Ed and I, we'd interviewed literally hundreds, if not thousands, of Star Trek people over the years um, back in my days as a journalist. And, and, um, uh, and, and, and so we went to our agent and we said, is this something of interest? She said, absolutely. And I was still very wary of doing this thing. And then, unfortunately, she sold it like in 24 hours. So I was kind of stuck doing it. And I have to say, all kidding aside, I'm so glad I did because I'm so proud of the, both those books and the opportunities that it, it has opened for me in terms of doing this podcast, in terms of people I've met, and then obviously doing books about other subjects that are near and dear to me for Battlestar Galactica and James Bond. And uh, it's, it's really Wick. been a pleasure. And John Wick. And so um, it's been, um, it, it, it was really great. And also working with Ed, who I hadn't lost touch with, but Ed had first reached out to me 
I think when I was like in college or maybe in high school where he was writing for Starlog and he was like, wanted to republish something that I had written and we were friends, but then I kind of like, didn't really stay in touch with him after we'd done a bunch of stuff and uh, in the, in, in the nineties. And so this was an opportunity to really reconnect with Ed. And that was the most fun thing about writing these books because I would get a great interview and I would tell Ed and then Ed would get a great interview and he'd tell me what they said. <laughs> And I'd be like, stop competing with me, Ed. And, <laughs> and we, we just had so much fun throwing quotes back fast and furious. And it was a really delight. And it's been so wonderful to see how those books have been received by fans. I'm really, really, really proud of 50 Year Mission, uh, 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 all kidding aside. Okay. So, Darren, thank you for your continued effort with David and Mike to give the fans this amazing new director's edition. In the commentary, you mentioned you tinkered with the CGI Enterprise refit since you created it for the 2001 edition. Could you go into the history of creating the CGI model? It's fascinating to hear how, how, how you've been working on such a thing for years, especially since model work is often one and done. Uh, it's interesting because uh, the first thing I did when we were going to do the, uh, when we were thinking of doing the director's edition back in uh, 1998, actually, um, was I learned a 3D program and I built an enterprise model uh, from scratch. And uh, I, I used that as a uh, starting point for doing the storyboards and things and figuring out the new shots. And uh, when we brought in uh, foundation imaging, they used that as a base to build a, a much, uh, you know, uh, better, stronger, faster version uh, of the enterprise from the original studio model, which we brought into the offices. And uh, uh, so that was generated from that. Now, using that model after uh, 2001, when it was uh, released, I started going in and I rebuilt everything. It's a totally new enterprise. No one knows her a tenth as well as I do. <laughs> I because, knew that was coming. <laughs> because I completely rebuilt it. Uh, and I, I put, you know, we, we could For less only, than $6 million. For way less. Uh, we could only uh, concentrate on, you know, the main hull and uh, parts of the engines because those were the closest things in the shots that we had on the original uh, director's edition. Uh but I put all of that detail into every inch of the Enterprise model, and uh, it, uh, you know, it's it was completely uh, completely overhauled and built from the ground up, uh, probably a couple times over the past twenty something years, uh, and so it, it was, it, you know, it's always been something that I've loved to just bring up on the computer and play with, because, you know, now it is the Enterprise. <laughs> as much as the original shooting miniature is, it is the Enterprise. And I'm I'm really, uh, there's a great feeling from that, that uh, I got to have a hand in that. Yeah, that's remarkable. That's a, thank you for that question. Ashley, he asks, uh, love hearing about your work and experience in writer's room. Is there something you wish audiences understood better that you talk about in these rooms? Um, yeah, you know, we, uh, we had on a completely different podcast, we had uh, a writer, a friend of ours, uh, Michael Narducci, and um, he was talking about his love of uh, choose your own adventure books. And I made a joke about how that's that's really what happens in a writer's room. Um, you know, we are always playing choose your own adventure. And, you know, the the goal, whenever we're sitting and we're breaking a story is to identify what's the the best most interesting version of that adventure 
Um, you know, all these all these journeys are possible, and and you know, we we try to take all of them um, and and see where they take us. You know, it's it's why I always sit back with such enormous respect uh, for somebody like Terry Metalis. You know, figuring out. Um, as he did, how to make Picard season three work. I mean, I, I cannot even imagine what it must have been like in that room. Not just kind of the fun of that, um, but the the but the sheer horsepower of the brains that were just churning, and how much time that must have taken, and the long moments of just sitting there in silence, slowly beating heads against tables trying to figure out how to bring all of this stuff together. Um, and I, and I guess the, you know, the, the summation of that is look, it's, um, it is, it is always hard work if you love it and you're committed to it. Um, it is always about possibilities. Uh, and, and again, if you love it and you're committed to it, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's very intensive, um, you know, there is, there is no such thing, honestly, as an auteur, you know, there's just people who are good at hearing the best ideas and choosing the best adventure. That's a great, that's a great answer. And look, I have so many other questions, uh, letters, but we'll save them for future episodes because, uh, right now we want to bring in, uh, Bill Hunt to talk about the, um, state of Star Trek on, uh, home video. It's been a great, great year for Star Trek on home video. We'll talk about that obviously spearheaded by uh, the remarkable Star Trek, the motion picture director's edition of which uh, Darren was an associate producer and visual effects supervisor and uh, a remarkable gift to all of us Star Trek fans. So without any further ado, let's beam him on in. How are you guys? It's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Bill Hunt. We haven't had you on the show in a while. And it's a while back. You've been a busy guy, but, Things for oh. Star Trek have suddenly taken a turn for such a uh, so you know such so exciting that we had to have you back to talk about all the great things that are happening in Trekland. I mean, obviously, uh, the incredible uh, success of um, Picard season three, which I know you're as excited about as we are. Oh man, I haven't enjoyed Star Trek this much in many many years. Many many <laughs> many many Vulcan moons. Vulcan has no moon. That's um, <laughs> That's no moon. <laughs> and of course, a- I mean, not to sing our friend here's pr- praises too much because I don't want it to go to his head. But uh, obviously, it's been a great year for a Star Trek on home video with uh, last year's release of um, the Star Trek, the motion picture director's edition. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Oh, and, that too. And, yeah, no. And we all have Darren to, to thank for that. And and I tip my hat at you, sir. The uh, I'll tell you, and it's. I think the the success of that project has really kind of changed the game because, you know, it's, it was wildly successful for Paramount plus, and then it was wildly successful for, for Paramount home entertainment yeah. in terms of the disc sales. Right. And so the, and the interesting thing is, is, you know, before this, it was very difficult for, for one of these divisions, CBS home entertainment or, or Paramount home entertainment to take on all the risk of doing a remastering project like this mm-hmm. themselves. But with Paramount Plus now a part of the picture, you can split those costs, right? And Paramount Plus put a lot of the money up for that remaster of the yep. movie. And so it's uh, it's fascinating because it feels like uh, a lot of things are possible now that maybe weren't before. Many such voyages are possible. I would hope so. so. I would hope so. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, recent uh, 
recent happenings in the streaming world uh, make that a little less uh, likely, but uh, who knows? Who knows how things are going to fall together? Yeah. Well, Bill, I want to ask you, because it has been for a long time, I think we've all been bemoaning the state of Star Trek on home video. Yeah. We were like, uh, you know, they're ne- you know, when's Star Trek the motion picture ever going to get the remaster it deserves, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the revisiting, you know, all the other movies, you know, it was these old masters with the, yeah. uh, you know, that just looked terrible. And then in the last year, besides Star Trek, the motion picture, there were the 4K releases of two through six, which looked marvelous. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, recently, the releases of the uh, Next Generation movies, yeah. which all look terrific. I mean, uh, even the bad ones, you know, at yeah. least they look good now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they, they, some of these films have really never looked better. It's uh, it's It's yeah. amazing. And it's, how interesting is it after all this time? And as you said, you know, the, those original Blu-rays, I think in 2009, they came out mm-hmm. uh, uh, around that time. They were all, you know, riddled with noise reduction and they were all, they were just, they were just unfortunate to watch. They were hard to watch those Blu-rays. And after all this time, we finally have all of the Star Trek feature films in 4k and remastered Blu-ray. I mean, and, and the director's edition it's, you know, plus, you know, Picard season three, it really feels like a, like an embarrassment of riches. So it's the best of times, but as we know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. So the question becomes now we got everything we asked for, right? Yeah. Almost. What's next? What, what do you think is the future? Obviously beyond what you know, or may or may not be happening. What do you hope will be happening over the next couple of years for Star Trek on home video. Yeah, well, I have a, so, you know, again, beyond what I might know or, you know, what what I'm aware of is going on in the industry. I think if you were to ask me uh, to put a hundred bucks on the likelihood of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager getting remastered at some point, uh, I think I would take that bet. Um, and, 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 you know, the interesting thing is now we've seen Star Trek Strange New Worlds as the first TV series in the franchise it's getting a 4k release. Mm-hmm. Um, and so season one of that's get, it's coming out on 4k. I'd be very surprised if obviously Picard's season three is going to get released on Blu-ray like the two previous seasons. And I would be very surprised if they didn't also put that at least season three out in 4k. Yeah. One would hope they yeah. would be foolish not to, because every single person, and I'm sure all of you here, every single person that purchased that 4k box set of the next generation feature films is going to want season three and 4k disc as well. I know I I I certainly do. And not well, the complete series, just season three. Right, just season right, three. Right, right. right. The, the why, so my theory about that is I suspect what they're gonna do is they'll put season three out on Blu-ray and then they'll do a box set, a 4K box mm-hmm. of all three seasons. That would be smart because I think a lot of people would just purchase season three if they release them individually. The statement that they would be foolish not to is kind of silly when it comes to <laughs> studios, especially the yeah, one we're talking yeah. about. Um, so, you that's know, you ne- never, never bet uh, on a sure thing. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. But I, I, but I have a feeling that's, you know, that would make the most sense. They put out a box set of Star Trek Picard, the whole series. And then typically what they do is then a year later, they'll break it up and sell individual seasons or, you know, sometimes they do. Paramount will do steelbook packaging, and then a year later they come out with the the wide release Amore version. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually they come around and they 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 put out a skew for every for every fan that's that's you know what they're looking for. So I I would be surprised if they left any stone unturned on that side. You know, they're, they're the studios are very good at maximum exploitation of of their product. So well, I think that the movies have pretty much now been done 
to the death without you know with the um uh, with the notable caveat that there really wasn't much in the way of um new special features that were created other yeah. than for Star Trek the motion picture um some of the originals repurposed that uh, great uh, Roger Lay uh, uh bonus features that hadn't yep. been included uh that were only on the 50th anniversary box set which was not a big seller so it was great to see that make the but other than bonus features certainly we have the movies as good as we ever need them so right. it really becomes about the tv series at this point unless someone really wants to spend the money to do something with star trek 5 uh, because that is something that some fans have been lobbying for which is just yep. sort of you know they call it a director's cut i don't know if that Star Trek five needs a director's cut as much as it just needs a okay. special edition. Yeah. You know, because I don't know if, if Bill has the interest to sit down and, and do a fine cut of that movie and you know <laughs> give copious notes and all that kind of stuff. But it, it would be great to have someone at least at the very least, um, uh, you know, uh, upgrade the effects because, you know, as we know, even uh, AI can probably do better effects. They obviously for that film, they save money by not using ILM, right? So it just, it's, those visual effects are a little bit embarrassing. And frankly, you know, William Shatner is still alive. So he could, you know, make some, make some suggestions perhaps. And, and uh, you know, yeah, I think they could give that, that film. a. But a also it isn't unprecedented with the Sandiver edition of Dune. Uh, that right. there can be alternate versions of films made when the filmmakers are still alive. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not saying anything, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and by the way, that Sandiver edition has now got David Lynch interested in maybe revisiting that film again for the first time in Indeed. how many years? I mean, which is extraordinary. I'm not saying that Bill shouldn't be involved. I think if he not wants to be great, I'm just saying I'm not sure if that he would want to necessarily right. be involved, yeah. or yeah. maybe he'd want to have somebody else do it. And then bring it to him and say, okay, great. And maybe have a few sure. notes and say, I'll put my name on it, you know, but yeah. um, I don't think he's, he's interested at his age or, you know, given his feelings about that movie, doing the heavy lifting involved and that's fine. Right. right. Um, well, I think it will kind of come down. Well, who can speak to his mind, but to me, what was, what really justified the existence of the motion picture uh, director's edition was that that was the movie that Robert Wise wanted to make, but he simply did not have the time to finish it, which is right. very different from yeah. you know a special edition where it's like, let's have Greedo shoot first. Um, right. But yeah. in the case of Star Trek V, putting the, the, uh, the special effects aside, the question becomes, is that the movie that Shatner wanted to make? Like, is that the cut that yeah. he would have lived with? And is I it mean, possible to make the movie that he wanted to make? Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, sure. true. That's a very good point. But, you know, doing something like that is not unprecedented because, as we know, our friend uh, Charles De Lazarica did something very similar with Alien 3, right? Mm -hmm. But it mm -hmm. put yeah. out that that That's sort awesome. of rough print cut, you know, the right. Fincher's kind of, uh, you know, what, what Fincher... Without Fincher's like, involvement. Right, yeah. without Fincher's involvement. And he, and he got Fincher's approval to do it, but... Uh, but, you know, and so that was kind of an exploration of what might have been. And it was a little truer to what the Fincher's intent was. And so and it's a better movie. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a fascinating cut of the film and, and it sold well. So, I mean, at this point, I think anything is possible. The other thing that's interesting is, is that, you know, we have to remember the film remastering technology is improving so quickly. And now we're moving into an era where we've got like sort of like neural net trained AI algorithms that are assisting some of these tools, things like chat, you know, chat GPT and stable diffusion, 
you know, you can well imagine a future not, not too very many years away where if you have a shot of, let's say, let's say a shot from Deep Space Nine that's like a standard, you know, standard definition of visual effect shot, you could you could train an algorithm to to uprise that and extrapolate detail that's not there in the original. And, you know, if it's if it's guy if the process is guided by by an artist, you know, a visual effects artist to make sure that the the, the result is what everybody would want it to be. It's you know the, all of a sudden the capability to do remastering of 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 these older projects gets a lot faster and a lot cheaper and and Lord knows the the studios you know Paramount Plus is going to want the exclusive and I'm sure Paramount and CBS Home Entertainment would love the opportunity to to resell these things on on disc if they can if disc is is still a is still a thing and it seems to be the whole industry seems to be kind of pivoting back to disc a little bit because you know streaming just isn't quite as profitable as they all thought it would be. Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, we, we're, we're in an era where it feels like there are a lot of things that that are now possible. Well, the the hard thing about using um, AI to go in and and redo a lot of those visual effects is that you just can't be sure that the AI is going to put the correct number of fingers on the starships. That's, that's what it'll really struggle with. Yeah, it's but, very true. But you know, it's this stuff improves really quickly. I think we yeah. need an AI version of the uh, AI. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be really interesting. <laughs> That's a good I, I, I think I think you make a great point, Bill, because I think we all know uh, you know, obviously the expense of next generation where they actually had the opticals yeah. and just recompile was enormous, right? And and the yeah. Star Trek project as cheaply as they did it uh, on the original series was very, you know, it was expensive uh, comparison to, so uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, which are as much as we love Deep Space Nine are obviously less popular than the original Star Trek or next generation. There is a threshold which they can spend, but they also, you know, there's only so long you're going to be able to show stuff in standard def before no one is going to be, uh, you know, you look at it on Netflix or certainly internationally, people are going to be like, I, I, we don't want this anymore. So yeah. it, it seems to me that what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It's almost the equivalent of like with Farscape, they didn't recreate the effects, they up-resed it. Right. And yeah. it doesn't yeah. look great. But now right. with AI, it, 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 you know, they're certainly not going to go and recreate the effects for seven seasons of no. television. So well, it seems I mean, like the best know, we can hope for. Yeah. I mean, would you I redo that- Sacrifice of Angels? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. As 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 a as a test, perhaps. I mean, the interesting thing is is uh, so uh, Game of Thrones. The the first season of Game of Thrones wasn't finished in anything like like 4K resolution, but HBO released it in 4K and it looked fantastic. I mean, you when you compare to the previous uh, the previous release, the Blu-ray release, there was a notable difference. And mm. some of it is just the fact that with you know with 4K, you've got deep color now and you've got high dynamic range and less compression. Um, but also, you know, they upsampled, they upsampled this stuff, some of the stuff and the algorithms for doing that have gotten very, very good. And I keep hearing from, from post people and remastering people that, that that's going to be a revelation for a lot of people is you'll be able to take standard definition content and you'll be able to, you'll be able to upsample it and it will look better. It will like credibly look better, even though there's, is the detail isn't actually originally there. And when you think about the fact that in the late nineties and early aughts, there's this kind of a window where a lot of stuff was finished in SD resolution mm-hmm. and digital effects were very, very primitive. 
you know, the ability to take all that content and and bring it up to some kind of, you know, at least minimally acceptable level of quality for 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 people today. And it's not just Deep Space Nine and Voyager. It's stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. It's stuff like the X-Files, yeah. you know, which Babylon had those five. kind of Babylon. Oh, yeah, Babylon 5, right. right. And, I, mean, it's, and- I mean, it's, the thing of it is, is if there's money to be made, sooner or later, someone's going to see that opportunity and try to do it. And so- well- uh, the yeah, difference is I, I long for the days where uh, an AI algorithm can give us great looking material from bad looking material, yeah. because let's face it, uh, the, uh, you know, the early 90s uh, was not looking good. It was NTSC at just about its worst. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's going to take, you know, and, and there's people out there uh, all on the Internet saying, hey, look at this. Doesn't this look great? No, it doesn't look great yet. It's not yeah. ready yet, but yeah. I long for the days when it will, and uh, I'll be there when it does. We're well, still yeah. pre-jazz singer for sure. My biggest concern yeah. about it is that, look, you know, like you said, you can get the AI to do anything. And I think the best version of anything is taking, like, for example, those special effects shots, is taking those those original effect shots and doing nothing but uh you know, bringing the 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 uh, the video quality into the 21st century, as yeah. opposed to just doing Not whatever. Redoing it, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think you know one of the things that that we've got to remember, and it's like when when fans will go out and they'll like do their whatever redoing the special effects that they forget is that there are artists who slaved yeah. over those shots, even the ones that like that don't work. It's like you you know you you have to respect the work that went into that and the creative choices that went into that so i, I hope in the the exuberance of uh, of leaning into the technology and what it can do for us um that that we use it in the right way that we that we yeah. create the best looking version of the thing that was made at the time versus turning it into something else yeah i yeah i completely agree and of course this this debate goes back at least to you know, the Star Wars special editions when when those films were George Lucas himself went in and tweaked and changed and added digital effects and cut some things and and uh which I mean I McClunky. guess McClunky. Yeah, McClunky, right? Which is that that's like the fifth or sixth iteration of that scene in various home video formats over the years. And I guess in theory, I don't object to that as long as that original version is also properly remastered and preserved and and made and more importantly, not just mastered and preserved but made available for fans who yeah. want it. Mm-hmm. Well, well and that's what's that's- so great and so laudable about the Star Trek, the motion picture project, because they yeah. not only uh, did this wonderful director's edition, but they um, preserved the original theatrical version and the ABC special longer version for posterity. I have to say yeah. Dave Fine and Mike Medicino fought to get that in there. Studio didn't want to do it. They didn't want to pay extra yeah. money, certainly yeah. to put the TV version in, but yeah. We all wanted it to be complete. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it would it would be good for anyone who liked this movie. So yeah. and I had meetings with Paramount for years. There was a period of uh, four or five years where Paramount Home Entertainment kept losing their senior catalog person. Yeah. And and so every every year or so they would they would call me up and invite me to the studio and ask, well, what what should we do? Or, you know, we've got a new catalog person. Explain to this person what we should do. And I would give them yeah. a list and say try this, try this. You could do this. You could do this. And it, you know, three or four times this happened and like nothing happened. And it was finally, such a revolving door. 
Oh my God, it was unbelievable. And 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 finally they had a uh, they had uh, you know a catalog group that stuck. And and sure enough, like they've gone down that list I gave them and knocked out almost every one. And now they're digging deep into the catalog. I mean, I'm thrilled with with what they're doing in terms of catalog. They're they're going way deep into the catalog and remastering stuff in 4K. And, mm-hmm. and they they do something which is smart. It kind of irritates fans a little bit, but they they remaster something and they make it available digitally in 4K. And they look at they look at that and go, okay, are people buying it? Like, right. like is it selling? And they use that as a, a demand indicator. And then they go, okay, this title would be a really good one to put out on disc. And then sure enough, six months later, yeah. it comes out on disc. And and it's they've really they, more than any other studio in the last few years, they've really knocked it out of the park in terms of going deep into that catalog for 4K re- releases. And- well, there's some great 4K transfers on iTunes, Chinatown, Heaven yeah. Can Wait, yeah. uh, War of the Worlds, the original. I mean, they're and they're all they're all there for the taking. Are you man <laughs> enough to take it? Yeah, you know, it's like uh, and it's great. And there's a bunch of other stuff. Fox has the same thing. David yeah. Earth still is in 4K, still yeah. waiting for the disc. But by the way, um, Kingdom Kingdom of Heaven is apparently yeah. in 4K on on uh, Stars internationally. Oh, um, and so there there are. I, I know for a fact before Fox was absorbed by Disney. They were they had like 30 remasters, 34k mm. remasters that were done that they they're just they're just sitting in a vault right now. Right. Wow. And uh and you know, luckily I, I feel good about that at least because I think the, Bob Iger has kind of signaled that that Disney is about to sort of shift back to to physical media. And mm-hmm. I actually uh, met with John Landau uh a few weeks ago at at uh at, at Lightstorm and uh and they they are ba- going to release uh you know avatar avatar 2 the abyss true lies and titanic in, in 4k yeah great. so that means those are all fox involved titles and so that mm-hmm. means in theory disney is you know i, I don't know if we'll, it, it might be the end of the year before we really start to see it but uh, everything i'm hearing is they are kind of regrouping for a for a major pushback into physical media and the good and news sh- it it does make mary elizabeth mastrantonio a disney princess <laughs> and I, i'm absolutely I'll go with that sure. gladly absolutely <laughs> I, i'm sure that when the new planet of the apes movie comes out they'll finally release the original 68 version in 4k which we've been waiting for for a long yeah. time and will look stunning i'm sure and by the um, way the the new uh noah holly uh alien show i'm sure you'll get the other aliens films in in 4k there's a lot of there's a lot of reason to go back i mean look plus they're sitting on stuff like like tombstone and you know Armageddon and and The Rock. I mean, those films would just sell like hotcakes if they mm-hmm. put them out at 4K. They're not even good Blu-rays of those movies, right? right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crimson well, and, Tide, and a like a, a film like Open Range, which I consider one of the great westerns that Kevin Costner's ever been a part of, mm-hmm. doesn't even have a legit Blu-ray release here in the states. You have to go to like Germany. Damn free grazers. Blu-ray. They have messing with those Steve Blu-rays, those free grazers. Yeah. But uh, I, I bet when Kevin Costner's uh, Horizon comes out, which is supposed to be spectacular, maybe yeah. then they'll use that as an opportunity to come out with the uh, open range as, as as well. So I got a question. This is about the Ark of the Covenant, and I'm not talking about Raiders. I'm talking about the original series, which we all know was shot on film and released probably it's over, what, 10, 15 years ago now that it's been out on Blu-ray. Gorgeous set. You know, which has the original effects mm-hmm. and the more recent CG effects. Yeah. What would you do? Uh, you know, the 60th anniversary is coming up of the original yeah. Star Trek, which yeah. they love their anniversaries, right? They love their milestones. So, Marketing people do love those for sure. 
So what would you, what's your prescription? Well, I, I'll ask you all this, but we'll start with Bill. What would you like to see done with the original series for the um, for the the sixtieth? Well, it makes a ton of sense to to release it in four K. I think, and if you you know, and if now I don't know, Darren, you may know were the were the, were the film scans that were done for that remaster were they done in HD or were they done in four K? Do you know? I don't know, but yeah, knowing yeah. how so, knowing how the studio works, I think you can guess. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So you know, either either the, the the live action footage could be rescanned in 4K, and then the visual effects could be upsampled, um, or you know, it's it's possible that they could. You know, there are a lot of 4K titles where they just take the 2K master and upsample it to 4K, mm-hmm. but then they give you, uh, you know, you get deep color. They do a they do a, a restrained high dynamic range grade. Right. right. They could do Dolby Atmos mixes. You know, if the remixes on it. I mean, I mean, you know, you could argue how much difference it would make, but it would. I think you'd get the benefit of less compression, the deep color. Uh, you know, I think those those. I think people would buy it if you did that. It would be a nice way to celebrate that original series. I think if you put all three seasons in a box set, mm-hmm. and I think what you want to do with that is, um, I think then that's where AI on the original effects is. I would want it with the original effects from '66. Sure. I, you know, it's fine if they want to give us the CG from the 90s yeah. as a bonus, but uh, I would want the original effects and uh, which could look great once they're able. But as we know, they don't have the original elements, but if they can clean that stuff up with sure. AI, then I would love to have the original effects. Then um, also put the Roddenberry vault in there, which has ne- only been released once yeah. uh, on, on. And, you know, that absolutely is essential. I think then you also need to do new special features as well. Uh, right. that really uh, cover the 60 years of Star Trek. Do something really epic like Charlie would do for Blade Runner, right? Yeah, yeah um, I, I agree with that. Part of the problem, though, is that, that we're in this era where special features just don't have the cachet at the studio mm-hmm. that they once did, right? I mean, it used to be that they would put all that stuff in a selling, you know, in a, in a, in a press release, put it on the back of the box here, and it would entice people to buy. And I think there are still there's still an audience that craves that content. But boy, most discs major disc releases these days unless it's from a third-party distributor like criterion mm-hmm. or you know or somebody going like that the, the major studios just aren't doing a lot of a lot in mm-hmm. the way of of, uh, of extras and so i mean they would stand out if they were to do something like that they they would stand out it would be but star be trek is unique it, tell me if you agree because of course it, there's a tradition of it selling very very well but yeah. also the stuff has been released so many times you need something to differentiate it so that mm-hmm. there is interest because people are like, why do I need to buy this again? Right? How many yeah. times did they re-release these shows? So yeah. many times. They did, but I'll tell you, there are other titles that have been released more. I mean, I don't think anything has been released more often than the Terminator or Terminator Two mm-hmm. on Home Entertainment. <laughs> there have been so many different releases of that, and people, you know, there's still a diehard audience out there that would will buy it if you give them something new and you give them a little bit better quality. There, there are fans out there who who will who will buy it for sure, and we have to consider too that you know. Blu-ray is, is still all these years in only about 40% of the audience and, and 4k is maybe five, it's five to 10% of, of the overall audience, but Most there's a bigger markup still buying DVDs, right? Mm-hmm. And so, to me, the markup is what justifies doing the, uh, the, the special features, right? I mean, it, the, yeah. it, it seems like when the, that, you know, like the, the big difference between, um, you know, VHS and, you know, what happened when we started moving into optical media was that suddenly there was room to put those kinds of things on it. But the yep. prices were hugely high. 
And yeah. it was the kind of thing that you needed to do to get collectors to go, oh, okay, that's worth my my time and money. But now it's all about how do you push it out to the mass market? And the yeah. mass market doesn't give a damn about the special features. They just give a damn about how much it costs and it becomes a right. volume business. But maybe yeah. Star Trek is different because we are inherently collectors. I think so. And I think, you know, in the golden age of DVDs or, or golden age of discs, so to speak, I mean, a lot of the home video executives knew that, look, don't worry about what the mass market wants. Target the collector, shoot for those guys. And if you can please those guys, then you can release a skew that's, you know, stripped down with just the, with just the content or whatever, no extras or whatever at a lower price, and you can get everybody else. But there's something about a physical media release that you can't do with digital, which is you can build a whole special you know, you can make it feel special. You can yeah. special packaging, some swag. You can, pr you, you promote it. You have exclusive content. You can make it feel like a valuable thing. And, you know, no matter, no matter what you do with a digital release, you can't ever make that no. feel special like you can with physical media. And, and there is a, there are a lot of people out there. If you give them a very nice box with lovely packaging and a book and a, you know, you make it feel like a special thing. People will buy it. They really will. Ashley wasn't there for the great uh, Laserdisc Wars. Uh, back in the day when we were all obsessed with Laserdisc and buying these gorgeous packages and these box sets and, you know, the CAV discs, which would come with all this great and how special that was and yeah. how how short-lived it was in retrospect. Yeah. You, yeah. you think about all the money we spent on Laserdiscs and how, how it felt like this was it. This was it. I'm going to yeah. build my home theater and I'm going to have this super, <laughs> this is the best quality we're ever going to have. And uh, and yeah. and now you look back and it's like it's collecting dust in the garage. My hey, I, I still remember that original uh, the original HD DVD release of the Star Trek rem original series remastered. Mm -hmm. Right, they had the exclusive. The Toshiba, yeah. right? And I remember you know and as and as and as neat as that was, right? And you couldn't even to, the, the discs were flippers, right? So to mm -hmm. even read which which episode you were looking for was you like difficult. Right, exactly and i'll never forget as special as that felt you know they, they put a lot of effort into it all i all i heard the whole time was when are they going to do this on blu-ray man because yeah, you yeah, know yeah, it's yeah. like it felt it felt like a foregone conclusion that that format war was going to go blu-ray's way almost from the very beginning that was the one time i was smart i sold my hd dvd player and my discs right before it went belly up so i got a <laughs> bunch of money for it and like thank god because i didn't need another failed format in my garage darren is there a chance, is there any world in which CBS Paramount would do new effects for the original again, knowing that these uh, previous effects were only done in HD and obviously don't really stand the test of time? Um, and uh, Or is it just, is, there's no way? If I had a magic lamp and I could get any wish, I would wish for a month of borrowing the original miniature of the Enterprise, mm. taking it to a uh, a warehouse somewhere in uh, in Virginia or Maryland, and shooting all of the original Starship shots brand new on oh, 4K, yeah. lit the same way that they were, and re replicate all the original shots. That's what I would do, and you know, I mean, if that isn't a if that isn't a selling point, if it were actually done correctly, with with a knowledge and reverence to the original artists, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it is it's the original thing. It is the enterprise. Yeah, 
it it deserves yeah. to be featured in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. And I mean, you know I, what? If you I, if you sold it just like that, every Star Trek fan just got a Woody right there. Well, <laughs> you know, I we mean, can't honestly, show you that on TV. I have I have a <laughs> I have a certain group of friends that might be able to help with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe uh, yeah. maybe that phone should ring. I'm I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, you got like the Magnificent <laughs> Seven of visual effects uh, yeah. artists. And miniature builders, and you could put together, you know, quite a team. You could, you know, uh, we have be, a, a we have a certain a, a certain amount of skills. Yeah, yeah, with That's a, a hell certain of a good amount idea. of skills. That's, <laughs> That's a hell it. of a good idea, and I I could sure sell that on the digital bits, boy. Of course, uh, absolutely. It'd be it'd be. I just feel for the sixtieth, it needs to be something special. And to be honest, we're kind of running out of time because mm-hmm. the sixtieth is, you know, coming up uh in three years and for any project of any kind of uh serious intent it needs to start soon it needs to start soon and you know you could always go sooner and do the anniversary of the cage and call it the 60th right you know so if you wanted to monetize it sooner you could go with um uh instead of 2026 you could go with 2025 as the the 60th anniversary yeah um well i'll tell you what you can you can you imagine the pitch to paramount plus i mean i I mean uh I can't imagine they wouldn't be interested in something like that, honestly. But the question is, they're only looking forward and not looking backwards, right? I mean, they're interested in how they can promote the new shows, which don't have the kind of broad support and love. But it's because of that. It's because their new shows don't have the broad support that you might have an edge. I think so. And and look, you can point to the the success of the Motion Picture Director's Edition. Mm Mm-hmm which performed very well for them. Yeah. And, uh, and look, you know, the season three of Picard has suddenly like generated this great groundswell mm-hmm. of fan support Huge. from legacy Huge. fans. Nearly right? yeah. universal support. Yeah. 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 Which, and, and so, that's incredible because even when you look at the later legacy series, Voyager Enterprise, those were more divisive than Picard season three. Yeah. There are a few people like, Oh, how come uh, Picard doesn't go back to the girl from season one and season two. They forgot about her. <laughs> it's like, but, uh, but you know, the most people, and, and I got to say the people I know and respect people on this podcast, Steve Asbell, you, uh, God help me, Burnett, all these people who I respect their opinion. Yeah. I, they all love it. Yeah. They'll look to yeah. a fall. Everyone. Yeah. I don't know yeah. anyone I respect who's not a fan of season three. Maybe the different degrees, but they all right. love it, right? There's no, and and I, I I haven't been able to say that in two decades. Oh man, I know a lot of people in the industry who, in very high places in the industry, who mm-hmm. were, brought, were brought to tears, you know, by this season a few times, and it's, I, I there's somebody I, that runs a company that rhymes because, with Larval, who, because all um, of them have it. older IP that hasn't been served well yet. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, you know, it's, you know, good Star Trek when you see it. And it's, you know, and, and I would never tell anyone who's enjoying the, the, some of these other recent shows that, that that they're not to, you know, they're not to be enjoyed, that they're not good. No, of I'm, course not. They should God enjoy it. I'm, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're loving it. I'm glad they're enjoying Thank it. Thank God. It's for the you. audience, right? But boy, I didn't think I could feel like this about Star Trek again. I just didn't. Yeah. When we talk about how it engages us, no yeah. one is saying to anyone, don't enjoy what you love. Yeah. God bless yeah. him. You love the some of these shows. I, I'm glad that you get something out of it. You know, it's it, that's fantastic. Everybody right. has their own perception, but these should these shows spoke to us. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, like us, um, who um, 
who got something really special out of it. It touched, yeah. uh, you know, what we loved about Star Trek when we first discovered it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, the interesting thing is Jerry Bruckheimer recently was interviewed about uh, Top Gun Maverick, Yeah, how they made Top Gun Maverick and how they made it so, so true to the original and so pure to the spirit and so enjoyable. And he said, look, the number one rule when you've got this legacy IP is you got to lean into its strengths. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't run from it. You don't run from the the history that, that the franchise has and, and the legacy it's got. You you turn around and you embrace it, you know, and, and you can you can grow it in new directions, but you have to embrace what made that franchise so beloved in the first place. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that are rocket science, but this is not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's the it's the the legacy sequels and legacy shows of any franchise that have embraced it while also bringing in a new audience that have been successful. The yeah. ones that forget where they came from are the ones that don't work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Star Trek is in a great position because it's got, you know, 50, well, how many is it? 55? How many years? 57. 57 years of, of right. history that you can, that you can, you know, you can lean on, lean in and, and, and take advantage of. And, and look, there are huge areas of the, of the timeline that you, that are unexplored. They're just completely unexplored mm-hmm. that you could, you can move forward. You can, and there's that great gap year, that gap period between the original feature films and, and the next generation with mm-hmm. all those characters. And I mean, there's so much you can do. I just want to point out that we, as we all know, Bill Hunt is a huge fan of enterprise. So I'm waiting for him to say, well, you know, the Romulan war has not been dealt with. I, it's right I, on the I'm heels of enterprise. <laughs> I'm absolutely. A fan of enterprise. I mean, the funny thing is, is when you go back and you watch those great documentaries that the aunt Don that uh, on those sets, you realize set. what they were, you know, what they were trying to do with enterprise and how it could have been even more original than it was. And they were forced into some compromises in the first few seasons. But, you know, that last season of Enterprise was some pretty good Star Trek, I thought. Yep, absolutely. They into the original series. And, and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really fascinating. Look, and I got to admit, I was really tickled to see that in season three of Picard, the, the Doug Drexler's NX refit was in that museum. <laughs> that just made me happy in a way I can't even begin to tell well, you. I got I to gotta say to you, it's, it's very analogous. How Manny Cotto came in with a love yeah. of the original Star Trek and just nailed that last season of Enterprise, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and then you look at Terry, same thing, where he walks yeah. in and uh, when, you know, and takes over last season where basically nobody gives a shit anymore, gets yeah. to do whatever he wants and kills it the same way yep. Manny did with Enterprise. You yeah. boldly go where no one gives a shit anymore. <laughs> right. right. Well, kill, kills it meaning a good thing. Not a right. bad thing. I, I mean, kills right. it. Yeah, I'm sorry. When I say kills it, I, I mean in a way. You want to like, be very clear. Knocks it yeah. out of the park, just does a yeah. fantastic job with it. You know, and even yeah. Brandon Braga and Rick Brennan, at least, has said, he's been gone on record as saying, you know, that's probably where we should have started with Enterprise, right? And it's, and it's you know, it's and it, it's true. And Terry absolutely did that. He went back, he, you know, rather than running from all the stuff that did that, that all that history and, and all of that, uh, the, you know, fruitful, deep content that's happened and all the events that have happened in that timeline over the years he just leaned into it and and mm-hmm. it's like and i don't i don't see it as a like a you know i think some creatives look at that and go oh, that's an anchor around our neck you know creatively it keeps us from doing all this stuff i don't think that's true at all i think you just have to show the audience that you respect that stuff you and you can totally do new things but you've just got to show the audience that you still respect you know what's come before and... or even show them that you know it exists right yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 it's yeah. interesting that um paramount plus just announced 
obviously the worst kept secret in all the showbiz that they're doing a, a, a TV movie with um, Michelle Yeoh. Section 31 is a two hour MOW movie of the week. And um, I guess it's not really movie of the week anymore if it's streaming, but many weeks, but, um, right. but what's so interesting um, is this is something I going back to the days of DVD and Blu-ray where we're, you know, Disney was making a fortune with these directive and universal with these yeah. directive video movies like yes. Tremors 18. Right. So we were all like, why aren't they doing Star Trek movies? Right. 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 Now it's like, they finally got the memo to, Oh, let it, but they're going to make the same mistake. They're going to spend too much money. Yeah. And yeah. It, you know, and you, and you can see the seeds of the mistake they're going to make in the press, in the press announcement, yeah. because what they said is it's going to be like mission impossible meets guardians of the galaxy. And you're right. like, that's ah, not Star Trek. Why? Why not just make it like Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> why are you trying to turn Star Trek into something that's not? And we all love Michelle Yeoh. I mean, right. yeah. oh my God! From but her she's Hong getting Kong paid for to... two hours what she would have gotten paid for ten hours. Exactly. And 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 you know the majority of the audience that hasn't seen you know her in Discovery, I said, what is this? I don't, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. going on? Who is she? She's like a mirror. Yeah. Well, that huge Philippa like, Giorgio mirror alternate fan base. That's she's an emperor. <laughs> what? I, I, you know, it's just like, you know, couldn't love her anymore. But it's just yeah. like she's uh, space Hitler. enjoy the show great fans that are into the mirror universe i guess right and that's that's who you should target yeah well nobody did the mirror universe better than deep space nine (laughs) (laughs) you know i and because it was always like can't be fun you know like enterprise did a great job with it obviously uh, deep space nine and it all starts from the Jerome Bixby's brilliant mirror mirror, right? But mm-hmm. uh, it's not something yeah. you need to spend seven episodes. Hey, whatever. Right. I'm but so the interesting thing is, is that now that they're talking about this idea of doing these sort of made for streaming movies, it does open up some interesting opportunities. And 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 it Captain does Zulu, right. that's what you should be talking about. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I I still want to see Nick Nick Meyer's uh con, you know. The podcast. Thing. No, the, yeah, with the podcast. <laughs> oh God! Somebody should keep track of all these announcements that never happened. It's like, oh, remember that at San Diego last year when they announced the podcast? <laughs> oh, God. I just can't think of anything I want to hear less than a Nick Meyer con podcast. I mean, it's like, come on, you've got you've got three scripts from Nick Meyer, three Star Trek scripts from Nick Meyer. Why are you not greenlighting that shit right now? I don't well, like, understand. What movie would you rather see, Nick Meyer's con? As a, as a two-hour movie for Paramount Plus or Section 31 with – oh, come yeah. on. Really? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but, you know, it feels like – look, I mean, it feels like the, the season three. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie, right? I mean, Picard season three made the Nielsen streaming top yep. ten list for the first time ever, right? They've got – Paramount Plus has got to be looking at those streaming numbers going – Hmm. You would Maybe hope there's something here. Maybe we've accidentally stumbled upon something Look, successful. There is a we lot... are the stopped clock. <laughs> <laughs> there right. is a lot of love that was abundantly clear for the next generation cast and that yeah. show. You yeah. know, it, it is it is clearly the show now. Yeah. Um, by know, the way, the season that... three was a bottle sh- was basically a bottle season, yeah. right? Yeah. So exactly. It's like economical and and uh, I mean it's it's just interesting. You you can make great cuts. Look. The 2009 films and the, the sort of Abrams films tried to make Star Trek into this huge movie blockbuster like Avatar, like, you know, Mar- and the MCU 
Star Trek is never going to be that. It just isn't, I don't think. But you you can absolutely, you know, now that you've got a streaming service where you can do movies and shows, you you can, you know, and if you make a great movie, put it out theatrically too. I mean, it doesn't have to be expensive and you can make great Star Trek. We've, we've seen it clearly. Well, Star Trek's met its match. It's the biggest enemy is not the Klingons or Romulans or Khan. It's Taylor Sheridan. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. there is something much more successful for Paramount now. You know, right. it used to be that Star Trek was a 52 week, uh, the, you know, they wanted to be in the 52 uh, week a uh, year Star Trek business. Now, with the success of Taylor Sheridan and all the, his spinoffs, which are not cheap shows, it's like, no. what do we need Star Trek? We can have one or two Star Trek shows. Let's yeah. go and we'll play. And this, he's the, 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 the sexy new penny now. Yeah. So but see, um, I think the lesson should be for Paramount is, look, you can make Star Trek into something like that, too, because Taylor Sheridan's not making blockbuster movies for, you know, Yellowstone movies for, right. you know, half a billion dollars. Right. I mean, you can you can make great Star Trek. I think you can bring Star Trek back. You can make it more relevant. You can you can at least if you if you try to give it a wider appeal and, and try to appeal to legacy fans as well as new fans, you can, I think. I think we've seen there's room to grow, man. There's room to grow this franchise financially and in terms of eyeballs and fans. It's we 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 all remember a time, you know, when the next generation was you know that 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 season three, season four period where that you had the best of both worlds, where mm -hmm. Star Trek was relevant in the in the culture, man. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everyone was, was talking about, about it. it. Yep. And it, I think it can be that again. I don't think there's any reason it can't be that again. But you've just got to you've got to stop trying to make star trek what it's not and start embracing what it actually is i we live in a time where we need optimistic science fiction more than you know a vision of the future more than ever before i mean or, or we need it? the robert evans show yeah, yeah that's right I, I even that they do the offer right which is dopey fun right yeah and obviously the, the matthew reese's performance as bob evans is tour de force it's the best thing about it so why you're not green lighting the kid stays in the picture as a as a a, a mini series yeah. immediately. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's but, crazy. Know, it, it goes to prove that that a lot of the, the the decision makers in Hollywood are not they they don't they're not fans of their own content. Yeah. They don't watch their own content. They're not they didn't grow up with a love of storytelling and a love of cinema. They they went to Harvard Business School and got an MBA. And, and well, apparently Ashley and I are no longer able to talk about storytelling because we're officially on strike. <laughs> I can see that oh. Ashley is clearly d distracted by something he's yeah, reading. Yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's not great. Yeah. It's happening so, a lot here, people. Oh, I know the we, we both just found out that the strike uh, uh, the strike is on. I just got an alert on my watch. Uh, like officially, uh, like it is yeah, just Yeah, started? it's official. Yeah, oh, I, haven't, right. I don't know anything more than that because... We haven't had a chance to, I mean, I guess there's going to be a meeting on Wednesday. But well, uh, as a member in good standing of the uh, IATSE, I uh, will not cross your picket line. <laughs> I support you as well. I mean, come on. Well, they, they, I'm with you, you too. <laughs> <laughs> so we can no longer pitch ideas for right. Star Trek movies because we're on strike. <laughs> Muppet versions of films are right out. <laughs> I can tell you this. David Goodman will not be a guest on this podcast for the next couple of months. <laughs> be a little busy. It'll be a little busy. And it's too bad because we actually, we're going to have him on, come on to do commentary on the Futurama episode where no fan has gone before, but that'll have to wait until, uh, yeah. until we get our monies. As they say in Goodfellas, F you pay me. <laughs> um 
So anyway, well, so, okay. I just want to go around and as we wrap things up and just say, so what is the dream for each of you? Uh, obviously Darren was, saw his dream come true with Star Trek, the motion picture director's edition, which it was for many of us, uh, except he got to actually do it. Um, yeah. what, what's your dream project, uh, Star Trek on home video, uh, um, Bill? Well, on home video, I, well, I would love, I would love to start with getting Picard season three in 4k. Uh, if I can get Picard season three in 4K, I'll, uh, that'll make me very, very happy. And then I think if we can see better Star Trek, you know, uh, I'll say better Star Trek, Star Trek that's more in keeping with with uh, the, what we all grew up with and loved, uh, more of that kind of content coming, I, I would make me very happy. But, I, you know, I, I feel very lucky that we've gotten all of the we've gotten all the films remastered in 4K and we've gotten remastered Blu-rays, too. We've got the director's edition. It's uh, it's it feels like an embarrassment of riches. And I so I would say that and I would say, you know, I, I look forward to a, a future remastering maybe of uh, of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm 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 with you, too, as, as Darren said, I I I would love to see somebody take a crack at Star Trek five. Um, I would love to see a 4K uh, along the lines of what Darren proposed of the uh, original series. Obviously, yeah, Picard season idea. three, four K is a must, um, and I'd like to see the Roddenberry Vault uh, 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 become part of some major release because yeah. that was something that was a true labor of love that was spectacular for Mike Akuda and Denise and Roger, and I just don't think it got the love it deserved because people didn't know what it was, you know, yeah. and uh, it's it's pretty spectacular. And it barely got greenlit, so it's like it's you know it's amazing that it's out there. But you're right; it should be it should be a bonus disc in some some future. And it should be on Paramount Plus. Yeah, yeah. you know mm -hmm. I, that's another thing about all this bonus content we're saying is too expensive to produce it for the well, disc right. and then yeah. put it on Paramount Plus. Yeah, yeah. The Roger Lay documentaries on the feature films. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely put those on Paramount Plus. People would certainly watch that. Well, they're feature length if you put them all together. Yeah. So anyway. Yep. What about you, Ashley? What would you like to see? Uh, 100%. I want to see, uh, I'm going to see DS9 remastered. I'd love to see, I mean, look, I mean, the, the visual effects are all great on that show, but that they would need to be redone. I'd, I'd love to see like what that looks like in 4k. It's like, I, I, I think it deserves that kind of treatment. Like so many of the things, Absolutely. like the way that they expanded storytelling, um, for Star Trek and kind of brought it to uh, sort of a, an epic level um, that that we hadn't quite seen before on Trek. I'd, I would love to see that fully realized. But again, as I said about like any of these other things, completely respecting what those artists did in the first place. I don't want to see it different. Yeah. Um, I want to see it as beautiful as they hoped and imagined it could be. No, and I, I remember Ira Bear always saying, eventually people would discover the show because it was sort of the the sleeper, the cult cult show. It was it was never the huge mainstream success in the next one. And I feel that even an even greater audience will discover it if it gets uh, released in a, a high def or if, where it looks as good as modern television, and it can. Mm -hmm. um, it was beautifully shot by Jonathan West and uh, some amazing effects. And so if it gets the the love it deserves. Um, I think that Deep Space Nine will, will reach an even bigger audience because it's more in keeping with today's audience. It's a little darker. It's a little more yeah. um, edgy. You know, I think Realized. audiences will really embrace it. Yeah. And you had you had a little bit of serialization, too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's 
absolutely it is more modern and drawn and darren sure. you mentioned you'd love to see uh the original series and recreate those shots with the the enterprise anything yeah. else you want to add to that you know what i i want to uh go in on uh, i would love to see ds9 and voyager brought up to uh, modern uh, specs and uh at looking the best that they can um uh, and to be honest, I want to see all the Star Trek movies brought up to the level that the director's edition is, because director's edition looks better than it ever has, even when it was first released. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the attention to detail, quality transfers, um, high-end uh, uh, cleaning, and and basically restoring the quality that these movies may never have had. Uh, and, you know, if that includes recompositing and some uh, visual effects, that would be lovely, too. Uh, and obviously, uh, Star Trek V is among those, and I would love to have some uh, participation in helping that around, too. Yeah. And and I think, you know, that we've seen the director's edition so successful at Star Trek Motion Picture. I'm just waiting for that uh, producer's edition where uh, Gene Roddenberry's version, which is an hour of uh, Ilea in the show, in the sonic shower. <laughs> in the shower. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, okay. Well, this is, this is all great stuff. And Bill, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been a while. I know we talked about our introduction to Star Trek and all video. You told, told us a lot about Space Seed and coming yeah. out on VHS and it's always fun to, you know, obviously the very beginning of a sell through home video with Star yeah. Trek, the uh, two for 39 yeah. yeah, yeah. changed the whole game in terms of pricing for, for home video. Yep. Star Trek is really uh, the foundational uh, franchise for this home video, more so than even Star Wars yeah. uh, for this oh, whole yeah. franchise. Uh, for, yeah, for this no, whole I, home theater. Star Trek has been involved every major revolution in the home entertainment business. Star Trek has been right there. That's correct. Every new format, every new, Every new twist, every new, you know, every streaming and, you know, whether it's, you know, each new disc format and it's Star Trek's been right there, man. Yeah. Well, look, if you're a fan of uh, Bill's and who isn't uh, and also interested in what's the latest and greatest in the home video world, then you absolutely must uh, check out his website. It's indispensable. The digital digitalbits.com, And you can support him online as well. And uh, Bill has also been uh, joining our good friend, Rob Burnett, talking about Picard every week on his YouTube channel. So you should check that out. Always a great conversation with these two. And uh, Bill, we're so happy to to have you back with us on the show. Yeah, gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure. It's good to see you guys. Absolutely. And we'll see you down at Comic-Con. Absolutely. Bill's always such a great guest. It's always great having him on the show. And, you know, it's funny, one of the things we didn't talk about, and I think that will require an entirely different episode, of course, is that, that great, um, uh, the, the amazing stuff that just dropped from Otoy this week, again, which Darren is a a, a very, very uh, strong part of, uh, that remarkable regeneration sequence where Spock goes back to Viridian 3 and takes back uh, uh, Kirk's body um, and and mourns his demise. It's 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 such a a beautiful sequence it's suggested in Picard season three but it was created by you and the the Otoy folks and um I I just I just found it remarkable and of course inspired by the comic book by the brothers Tipton uh, other frequent guests of the show maybe we can have them on to talk about that as well well, the, um, interesting, the interesting thing about that is that it's you know it, it's in two halves. One is the uh, the resurrection of the dish of the uh, Enterprise D, which I yep. love, uh, and uh, and the second is is uh, Spock at Kirk's gravesite, and um, uh, the 
that the inspiration from the uh, D being brought up uh, was directly from uh, Picard season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought, wouldn't it be fun to see them uh, taking the uh, taking the dish away? Um, and uh, we get to see a little bit of that in uh, in this short. And uh, a lot of uh, amazingly talented people are uh, working for the Roddenberry Archive at uh, Otoy. And, um, and by the way, if you have no idea what we're talking about, and you may not, you may not be familiar, um, you can go to Otoy, O-T-O-Y dot com, uh, where uh, you can stream this uh, wonderful seg- segment. And in addition, uh, there's a wonderful sequence where they interview Bill Shatner about yep. his journey as captain of the Enterprise as well as a history of the Enterprise, which you recreate in 3D all the Enterprise bridge sets. Um, and 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 there's also a, a, um, a documentary in the history of Next Generation, the, the, the yeah. origin of Next Generation. All wonderful segments. Really well done. It's fun stuff, and uh, I'm really lucky to be working with these people because it's uh, it feels like home. Yeah, and I, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to because we are, we are planning uh, an episode... Uh, on Otoy and what they're doing, what the hell this is all leading towards, because yeah. I have no clue. But uh, I just know what you are doing is pretty freaking cool. So uh, we'll find out more when we bring Jules on the show uh, to talk to us on a future episode. Yes. Um, but uh, this was great. And so much nostalgia for Star Trek on a home video. and So much, hopefully, to look forward to. Um, don't you think, guys? Oh, yeah. And look, Bill's always awesome. I, uh, I, I'm met bit met bill quotes around met in the same way that i met you mark um you know i consumed all the things that you wrote about star trek before i ever actually met you and i used to follow the digital bits uh religiously mm-hmm. especially during the great dvd divex wars when who yeah. knew <laughs> how all of that was gonna play out oh, uh, so you know it's uh it's just it's it's wild for me to like to be sitting on this podcast and talking well, about I, I'm just waiting for the resurgence of uh, video CD. <laughs> Bill, Bill has been a vital resource for um, fans of home video and home theater. He's done the Lord's work over these last uh, 15, 20 years now. I mean, he's he's been doing this for a long time, and he has the definitive sight on um, on uh, a DVD, Blu-ray, and uh, 4K. So, you, you know, if you're not already following his site, you can check it out, the digital bits. Uh, there's nobody who knows more about this than Bill. It's always a pleasure to have him on the show. Uh, and, of course, it's always have a pleasure uh, to have you guys join us for another episode of The Trexperts. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. We want to thank, as always, Mark Rivera, uh, who makes it sound so good, even through our Zoom episodes, now that we've abandoned the studio to do these virtually. And, of course... Uh, Poor John Gill Memorial Podcasting Studio is, I don't know if it's no more, but we no longer avail ourselves of the opportunity to record there. We don't there, use it no more. Sadly. Um, well, and, the, the, the next studio we're in, we're going to have to call the John Gill Memorial Memorial. Memorial. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, a big thanks to Peter Holmstrom, our producer, who also has been so great at pulling all these clips that you hear during the show. And uh, we're really hoping uh, to see all of you, uh, if not at San Diego Comic-Con in July, we'll also be in North Carolina at uh, Raleigh. Raleigh, Raleigh um, at, at the Con. end of July at galaxycon.com for more details. Be some amazing Star Trek guests, amazing guests from the worlds of cosplay, voiceover, and even wrestling. Maybe Ashley will wrestle someone. Oh, and, uh, and, and, then, uh, and then we'll be back in Austin, uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, also with our friends at GalaxyCon, the great Mike Broder. 
and his team who have made us feel so welcome uh, at all these wonderful events that we've been doing as part of the Inglorious Live Tour. So until next Thursday, when we return with an all new episode, we hope you'll check out Deck 78. Uh, you can subscribe at trexpertsplus.com for this very special bonus podcast. And of course, the Trexperts Briefing Room with Peter Holmstrom and Lisa Klink, uh, which is every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. So that's a lot of Trexperts expertise coming at you all week long. And until next week, on behalf of Ashley Miller, Darren Doctorman, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking and gloriously, of course. And gay. Attention Trekkies. Win the ultimate Star Trek collection. Simply text the word Trek to 193666 and experience a journey across the galaxy. This is your chance to win every episode you can think of on more than 200 DVDs, including the original series, Next Gen, DS9, Voyager and Enterprise. Text Trek to 193666 and play and compete for this awesome Star Trek DVD package. So text Trek to 193666.